Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com. So this is a season of fresh starts and goal accomplishment, right? This may look different a month from now, but right now you are in the throes of really doing well with some good habits and some better uh, routines and maybe some new schedules that you're keeping that, that, that you're hoping are going to bring about a better life. And whether it's goals that we have to read more this year or, or goals that we have to exercise more or do a better job at home or do a better job at work or do a better job at school, whatever it is, maybe, maybe the goal that you have is that you're going to have a a better sleep schedule this year. I mean, we just went through the holidays, and so we had sleep schedules that were kind of all over the place, and so we've decided, hey, we're going to do a better job of that as we start into the new year, and so you've been after that. But it's difficult to know how much better you're doing if you don't know where you're starting, okay? If you're really going to measure how much better you're, you are at the goal that you're, you're trying to achieve, you have to figure out where you're starting so that you know the progress that you're making. Okay? You can't find out if you're actually running any faster than, than you, you used to if you don't know how fast you used to run. Okay? You, you have to measure yourself at, at a starting point before you can know whether you're making progress. You can't find out that you're doing uh, better in, in school if you don't take an honest assessment of how you're doing in school right now, even if the answer to that question isn't really all that good. You have to take a fair assessment of where you are right now, what your starting point is, if you're going to get better. Starting points kind of measure our progress. And we're heading into this brand new series that we're going to be in for a couple of months that's all about accessing your best life. But to understand just how great that life can be and how much better that life is, you have to first understand where it is that you're starting from. Just like anything else, if we let ourselves, um, if we're not willing to be really brutally and technically honest with where we are, we have a tendency to lie to ourselves a little bit and, and fool ourselves a little bit. I mean, maybe your goal is that you're gonna read more this year. And to do that, you can speak in generalities about where you started from. You may think back and think to yourself, well, you know, last year I probably read, I don't know, maybe 10 books and I want to do more than that this year. When in reality, last year you read three comic books, two magazine articles, you've got 20 pages of two different books that you started and they're still sitting next to your bedside table having never been touched since then, okay? You know what that's like. You gotta get honest about where it is that you're starting if you're really gonna figure out if you're progressing. So over the next couple of months, we're, we're gonna access the best life that you can possibly imagine, no matter what it is that's going on in your life, because this isn't based on what's going on in your life, that you can still have the best life. And it starts with having an honest starting point for yourself. And the honest starting point, really for all of us, is spelled out in scripture. It's actually spelled out in just a few chapters that show up in a book of the Bible called Romans. Now, just for familiarity's sake, if you've got your Bible with you or you've got a, an app on your phone or on your tablet, 
I'd love for you to just, just open up the book of Romans, just so you know where it is, okay? It's in the New Testament. It's a, uh, it's a few books into the New Testament, and, and you can just kind of know that that's there. Now, Romans was written by the Apostle Paul, and it was written about 25 years after Jesus rose from the dead. And, and Paul is this guy that led three different missionary journeys, is what we call them, but really they were trips that he was taking all over the world or all over the known world to try and tell people about Jesus who had no idea who Jesus was. And Paul just felt like that was his calling. He was to go out and tell people who had no idea about Jesus, no idea about God, that Jesus died for them. And as he's going around and, and all over the Roman Empire uh, sharing the, the truth about Jesus, he wrote a letter to the churches that were in Rome and in the surrounding areas of Rome there in Italy. Paul himself had never been to those churches, but he had heard about those churches. He was excited about those churches. He wrote this letter somewhere near the end of his third missionary journey, and right before he ended up having an extended stay in prison because people put him in prison for talking about Jesus. But as he's writing this letter to the, the, the churches in Rome, here's Paul, who was a Jewish man. He had been a very educated man. He was part of a, a group that were kind of the judgmental wise men of the Jewish people called the Pharisees. And he knew all kinds of details about life and how life was supposed to go. In fact, he was someone who prided himself on knowing so much about what the law said about life to the point that his favorite thing to do was to tell everybody what they were doing wrong. And then he met Jesus. And when he met Jesus, his insights on life changed. And his understanding of what it took to access your best life changed drastically. And here he is writing a letter to these churches in Rome where there are people there who, who weren't Jews. Most of the people in the churches weren't of, of Jewish descent. And so they didn't have all this background that Paul had. They didn't have the education that Paul had. And because of all of that, he wanted to spend time giving them a foundation. Because some of them had been told that they weren't as well liked by God as other people. Or that they had to jump through all these hoops uh, to, to really get God's attention. And so... Paul spends the book of Romans really laying out a foundation of faith and explaining what it really means to be a person of faith. And in the process, he measures out starting points for all of us who are sitting here. Starting point number one, for instance, happens in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Paul says in that verse, for all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. Now, in reality, that's actually a summary of everything that happened before this. All the verses that preceded this verse, Romans 3.23, are summarized by Paul in this verse. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, if that's a summary of everything that came before it, um, I want to give you a homework assignment, okay? Here's your homework for this week. I want you to, to take the time sometime this week to read the first six chapters of the book of Romans. Now, before you get weirded out by that, they're short chapters, okay? 
And, and, and I went and I pulled out my Bible and looked at my Bible and, and counted up the pages that it takes to read six chapters in the book of Romans. It's five pages, okay? So over this entire week, I'm asking you to read five pages of the Bible before we're back together next Sunday. Five pages, okay? That, that's less than the 20 pages of the books that you haven't read in a year that are sitting at your bedside table, okay? So it's five pages, the first six chapters of the book of Romans because they, they're very short chapters but they are full of an understanding about life. British theologian John Stott recognized the starting points that are kind of unfolded in those pages and in those chapters and he summarized Paul's summary and he said this. He said what we read there is that all human beings of every race and rank, of every creed and culture, Jews and Gentiles, the immoral and the moralizing, the religious and the irreligious are without any exception sinful, guilty, inexcusable, and speechless before God. That was the terrible human predicament described in Romans 1.18 through 3.20. There was no ray of light, no flicker of hope, no prospect of a rescue. Not the best news, but it's important news. Because it's an important part and an important understanding that's part of the truth of the story that we have. And the truth that comes from that understanding is that we are hopeless and we are helpless when we are left to our own efforts. Now, it's not the end of the story, but it's an important truth about the story. Because sometimes we fool ourselves. Sometimes we think pretty highly of ourselves, and it takes a little effort to do that, but what we do is we just compare ourselves to somebody else. We just compare ourselves maybe to somebody else who says they're a person of faith, and we think we're doing a lot better than they are, and so we feel pretty good about ourselves. Or we compare ourselves to somebody else who's in the world doing some really rotten things and when we see them doing rotten things, we know we don't participate in those rotten things and therefore we feel pretty good about ourselves. And we can sometimes feel so good about ourselves that we think that it's by something that we've done that we're in such a good place. But the truth is all of that comparison is pointless Because all of our efforts and everything that we do and all of our successes and all of our accomplishments still leave leave us short of the goal, still leave us short of the glory of God. A long time ago, way way back in the late 1800s, Bishop Mole said this. He said, the prostitute, the liar, the murderer are short of the glory of God, but so are you. Perhaps they stand at the bottom of a mine and you at the crest of an alp, but you are as little able to touch the stars as they are. It comes down to an issue of what we deserve. It comes down to an issue of what you deserve. You may have climbed to the top of the heap. You may have gotten to the top of the heap in your career or the top of the heap when it comes to your finances or the top of the heap when it comes to your relationships and your family. And that's awesome, great stuff that you enjoy right here. But the top of that heap is still a long, long way away from the best life that is available to you. 
Because no matter who you are, no matter what you've accomplished, no matter what successes you have, the real goal for life has still proven to be unreachable for you. First few chapters of Romans make it really clear that there is a starting point that's out there that is defined by what we deserve. All of us, everyone everywhere, everyone in this room, no matter what your status in society is and no matter what your accomplishments are or how many trophies are on your shelf, have sinned and fall short of the goal, fall short of the glory of God. And because of that, what we deserve, what we have earned is loss and emptiness. See, the, the first part, again, still in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that's actually a verse that you'll read this week when you read your five pages in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the first part of the verse says, for the wages of sin is death. So if all of us, no matter your status, if every one of us have sinned and there's nothing that we can do about that, what we have earned, what we deserve is death. It's not great news, but it's a starting point. It's what we deserve. But what Paul goes on and explains is that that starting point doesn't actually exist at all for anyone anymore. Paul tells us about a parallel story that was going on while we were in the midst of trying to accomplish and trying to be successful and coming up short over and over and over again. Okay? While we were in the midst of doing whatever we could that was not enough because we were constantly sinning and have been constantly sinning and are constantly sinning, while that part of our life was happening, parallel to that was the story of Jesus. Paul sums up that story in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, where he says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners Christ died for us. In other words, he didn't wait for us to say we were sorry. He didn't wait for us to tell him that we were going to try better next time. He didn't wait for us to prove to him that we could do more or that we could be better or that we could try and do all the right things. No, while we were still sinners, while we were still in the process of living out a life that would lead to hopelessness and helplessness, Christ went to the cross for all of us. See, starting point number two is not so much based on what we deserve as it is based on what has been done for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In terms of measuring how you're starting your year, what we have earned in this life no matter who you are, no matter how well you think you've done, no matter what successes you, you have hanging on your wall, you really haven't actually earned much. And when it comes to the goals of life that matter the most, the goal of life that is the most important, there is nothing that you can do to earn your way into heaven and really earn by your own doing anything except separation from God on your own. But while you were in that situation, and while you were trying all those things, Christ came and died and, and was a payment for the debt that you incurred. 
So back to Romans chapter 6. First part of Romans chapter 6, we, we saw that already. It says, for the wages of sin is death. That, that separation from God, that emptiness and loss and darkness and death, that's what we deserve because of our sin. But that's not the end of the verse. The whole sentence reads this way. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul uses that term gift. I, I, I like that definition, that it's a gift that's been presented by God. There is this gift that is really like any gift that we receive here on earth. Because when it's really a gift, you didn't pay for it, you didn't earn it, and you don't deserve it. Okay, we're not talking about a reward that you get for something that you did. We're talking about someone giving you a gift. A gift is something that's given to you that has nothing to do with what you've earned. It has nothing to do with what you deserve. And in this case in particular, the gift that you have been given is something that has an impossible price tag attached to it. Because of what Jesus did in the, in the brutality of the cross, because of his work in living life here on earth and, and teaching us and going through the, the trials and the, the pain and the agony and the sacrifice and the, the suffering of the cross, you have access to eternal life in the glory and the perfection and the splendor and the joy of heaven. That's what the gift of God is. That he has made accessible to you all the promise that he has made accessible to you the best life you could possibly imagine here on earth and on into eternity. Most likely, at your house, the Christmas trees have all come down. There's no more Christmas trees, no more tree skirts, no more Christmas lights, no more Christmas ornaments to be put away. I hope. I mean, we're, it's January something teen, okay? So we're, we're down the road. If it hasn't happened yet, maybe your afternoon project. But for most of us, the trees are down. But let me, let me take you back to Christmas morning a few weeks ago. There was a great anticipation and energy that surrounded Christmas morning. And there were gifts that were under that tree that were awaiting their new owners. And the anticipation that was felt at Christmas morning was felt really in a lot of different directions. Maybe for you, you had some of that anticipation this year, or you can think back to those years that you have, because sometimes we have that anticipation on Christmas morning because we are anticipating one particular gift. There was something that we're hoping for, something we're wishing for, something that we dropped tons of hints all month long that this is the thing I want. We left notes around in, in people's cars. I mean, whatever it took that they would understand, I need and I hope and I want this gift. And so we, we kind of unwrap every gift with hopes that inside that box there's that gift. There's anticipation for that. And then there's the anticipation that we have because we're excited about opening one particular person's gift because they, they always give great gifts. And you just know that person that tends to always get you something you really like. 
Even if it's not something that you knew that you wanted, even if it's not something you've ever mentioned before, but you, you just know they've always kind of come through with something awesome. And so you see their name on the package. You can't wait to open that gift. And there's anticipation for that. But there's a, a, another anticipation that is palpable on Christmas morning. And it's the, the waiting anticipation of the giver. When you buy a gift for someone and you wrap it up and you have it in that box, it's got the bow on top of it, you can't wait for them to tear into the paper and open the box. You want to see the surprise on their face because you, you knew that you got a great gift for them and they're going to so enjoy that gift. You know how much it's going to mean to them and, and because of that, it kind of fills your body with this nervous energy as you're just waiting and anticipating them opening that gift. But that gift, it just, it sits under the tree. It's all wrapped up. It's waiting for someone to open it. You may have been so excited to give that gift to, to the person that you got the gift for that you wrapped it up and, and, and had it all looking perfect. And, and that was like way back at the beginning of December. You were so excited. It was the first gift that went under the tree. And in fact, there were some conversations that happened through the month of December where the things that they said just solidified for you that this was going to be a great gift for them and that they were going to so love the gift that you got for them. And there were times where their desire for that gift was so strong that you just wanted to go get the, the present from underneath the tree and bring it to them and say, open it now. I can't wait. Just go. I want you to, I want you to see this. This is going to be great. You're going to love this. But that's not how we do things. We wait till Christmas. Maybe it's Christmas Eve or maybe it's Christmas morning, but we wait. We wait with excitement for the fun and the anticipation of someone taking and unwrapping and opening that gift that was so meant just for them. But that part still has to happen. They didn't pay for the gift. They didn't shop for the gift. They didn't earn the gift. They didn't even know how much they were going to love the gift that you got them. But until they take that gift and open that gift and accept that gift as theirs, it remains just a box under the tree. See, that's the fun of, of Christmas morning when the gifts get taken and opened and unwrapped and accepted. And so for, for many of us who are sitting in this room, that's a, a starting point that we haven't gotten to quite yet. It's a starting point that's waiting for us this year. It's what we do to accept the gift of God. Because it sits under the tree. It's all wrapped up. It's ready for you. It's got your name on it. But it means accepting the truth as truth. It means accepting that his gift of grace and forgiveness has your name on it. And it means embracing his love. And embracing his payment 
for your debt as your own. Now, there are lots of really important words that are given to the process of us accepting the gift of God. And they are words that speak to us really accepting it, heart, mind, body, soul. They are words like our need to believe that Jesus really loves you. It's not just that he loves us, but he loves you. It's repenting of our starting point of sin. And that just means that we're going to turn around and spend the rest of our life trying to not be intentional about living a life of sin. It means confessing that Jesus is the Lord of my life and being baptized in his name. That's us accepting the gift that God wrapped up for us and is waiting for us to unwrap. Now, there is nothing about what we do that fixes ourselves. There's nothing about what we do that our efforts get us any closer to the goal, any closer to the glory of God. But we still have to reach out for the gift that God gives. Now the book of Romans is full of details about the best life that we can access. But there's a whole bunch of us who are in this room who are at different starting points this year. And we need to be really honest with where we are. What we deserved because of sin was death and eternal separation from God. And there was nothing that we could do about that because sin was in our life and there was no way to make up for any one sin, no matter how good you were. We could make more money, we could be nicer to people, we could do volunteer work, we could be really, really generous, we could become famous. And none of it would help us make any more headway towards deserving anything but darkness and absolutely no relationship with God. But we are on this side of the history of the cross. And on this side of the history of the cross is a new starting point that at a minimum for absolutely everyone who's here and everyone that you know is that something amazing and wonderful has been done for you. Something amazing and wonderful has been done for what you can't fix. The wages of our sin is death and darkness and separation, but the gift of God that he spent all this work on is eternal life spent in the joy and the light and the presence of God. That's his gift. And if you have accepted that gift from God, then your starting point for this year is simply to remember who you are because of what's been done for you. Who you are, not because of anything that you've done, but just how great the gift is that has been given to you and that you have accepted. That's your starting point. But that's not all of us. For some of us, our starting point goes back just before that. Our starting point for this year goes back to a time where maybe we, we've heard the story 
and maybe we've understood how our life is messed up, but it comes just before us accepting God's gift of grace. Well, the gift is still sitting there under the tree. And the gift was wrapped up by God and it has your name on it. And he is anticipating your decision to accept his gift, to take it and to unwrap it and to accept it as your own. And he's still waiting with great excitement for you to believe, repent, confess, and be baptized in the name of Jesus. To fully know and embrace all the work that has been done and how much he paid for your grace, for your forgiveness, for you to know mercy and love and joy and eternity. And that may be a step that you need to take today. Or it may be a step that you need to start taking today. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. In just a moment, we're going to sing together one last time as part of our worship service, just kind of lifting our voices in praise and worship. And if during that time, you want to take a step, change your starting point for this year, then I want to invite you to walk right down the aisles here as we're singing in just a moment. We have people who are going to be here to talk with you and and pray with you and, and explain what maybe is still a little fuzzy for you. It's not that that this is a moment where you have to go all in. Maybe this is just something where you want to start a conversation. Or maybe you're at a point today where you're thinking, I, I want to be baptized. But you didn't come preparing to be baptized. Let me tell you this. We've got everything you need. Okay? We've got shorts. We've got shirts. We've got towels. We've got hair dryers. We will make you warm before you walk into the cold. Okay? Whatever it takes, you can make that decision today. But I want to pray for those decisions. And I want to pray in the process for those of us who are here right now and who need to be very honest about where our starting point is right now. Because there's progress that's waiting as we access our best life. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, we love that you love us. And we love that that love for us um, comes in an unconditional form. Where it's not based on what we do, it's not based on how consistent we are, it's not based on our love showing up to you in some amount or volume first. But that your love is consistent, is never ending, and that your love would fix a problem that we can't fix. God, it's only because of you 
that the sin of our life that separates us from you can be wiped away, can be washed over by the blood of Jesus because it's a demonstration of your love for us that you would offer us a gift, but God, it is a gift that you freely put in front of us, but we have to decide to take it. And God, there are some who are here right now who are kind of wondering about that decision. I just ask that you would work with them in the midst of that. But God, there are also others of us who are right here who have made that decision, who have accepted that gift and then have fallen into just going through our life without recognizing how wonderful and beautiful and amazing that gift is, that what you have given to us, what we have accepted, makes our life new, makes it different, gives us a different ending, gives us a completely different story. And God, we want to worship you and thank you and praise you for that. And if there are decisions that are to be made this morning, we just ask that you would prompt those, encourage those, start those today. We thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you'd stand with me. And as we get ready to sing, if you have a decision to make, if today needs to be a day that you say yes to Jesus, or you start saying yes to Jesus, or, or you're baptized today, if you have a decision to make, we have folks who will be here to talk with you and pray with you, answer questions for you, explain some things to you. We invite you to come as we worship, as we lift our voice in praise to the one who has won a victory for us and has a gift waiting for each and every one of us. Let's sing together.